0: And we are back with The Chosen Journey with Steve Carsey. Steve, how's your week going, going, buddy?
1: Everything's been going great. It's uh, always good to be back with you and talk about some baseball.
0: Well, the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been talking about present-day baseball and talking about the Yanks and talking about Bryce Harper and the Phillies and seeing what things are going right, going wrong. Today, it's funny. when we When I prepared this agenda, I actually was researching right before I went to bed and I actually saw the whole discussion in my dream. So much so when I woke up, I thought we'd already pre-taped it, but we hadn't. This is how much passion I had for this player. Unfortunately, we just lost one of our greats, Mr. Vita Blue. seventy-three, uh, Passed at 73 uh, years old, 73 years young, 17-year career. Uh, did you ever have a chance to see him live? Uh, what is your relationship with Vita Blue?
1: never got to see him live uh, I had have met him when I was in Oakland a time or two and when he's around the ballpark but uh, you know what a great player great man in the air that he played in uh, put up some really good numbers and uh, just a guy that you can you can count on every fifth day to go out there take the ball and uh, compete his tail off
0: so I got to ask you, having met him, uh, any stories particularly stick in mind or anything he would have said to you? Any memorable quotes?
1: No, it wasn't long conversations. It's, you know, when, when you know, um, older players come into the clubhouse when you're young, you know, you just give them the respect and you say hi, you know who they are, you know their history. Uh, and then, you know, obviously they're there, um, you know, wanting to talk to other people and stuff, but it's just more of a, a hello in in passing and not having a full conversation.
0: How did he come across? Was he more of a soft-spoken man? Was he the type, Hey cars, let me tell you something. Like what was his personality like at that point?
1: No, it's a more of a soft-spoken, uh, you know, gentleman who is, you know, just real reserved. And at least the guy that I had met and, uh, you know, was, was one that you can see that, uh, you know competition fuels
0: him one of the questions i had for you off air was one of my always intriguing questions if this man gets drafted today and puts up these numbers theoretically is this a hall of famer because i i always thought that this that you know he had a, a little bit of personal issues which you know back then you know one little item can really you know block your way you know dave parker being an example you know this was a surefire hall of famer and You know, one incident and, you know, that's it. And I don't know if that was a case for Cobra. I don't know if the case was for Vita Blue, but it used to be way more difficult to get into the Hall of Fame. And considering his numbers, he didn't even get a sniff. I was shocked. So let me throw this by you here. So we got three straight World Series, first of all, which, you know, very unheard of in this day and age. It's very hard to do. He was very vital to that cog. 1971, right? MVP and Cy Young Award winner. Why? Only 312 innings, 1.82 ERA, 301 strikeouts. Pretty freaking good. Six-time All-Star. He was drafted in 67 by the KCAs. So once upon a time, Kansas City had the A's. Maybe they'll move back there and they'll have two teams. Not. But uh, once upon a time, they were the KCAs. Debuted at 19 years old in 1969. Threw his first no-hitter at 21 years old. Wow. like This is like Doc Gooden all over again. But these numbers, Steve, I put a whole bunch together here. Let me throw it at you. 209 to 161 record. Lifetime 3.27 ERA. Lifetime 1.233 whip. 2175 strikeouts. 143 complete games. 37 shutouts over 3343 innings. 3,343 innings. Just even fathom that 143 complete games. Steve, are we ever going to see this again?
1: you're not going to see the number of complete games, uh, by starting pitchers. That's for sure. Uh, not the way the game is in uh, today's analytics. Uh, you know, you get a hundred pitches, 105 pitches out of a starter. And if that gets you through five or six, then, then you move on to your bullpen and and that's what you're paying those guys for. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, uh, you know, how many, what's the highest number of complete games that he had in a season. Uh, but, I would venture, you know, if you took, you know, a guy in from that era, whoever it is, Nolan Ryan, Vida Blue, uh, you know, Catfish Hunter, a whole bunch of guys, and you looked at how many complete games, you might not see that number in 2023 for the whole league of starting pitchers.
0: If If there was a
1: guy who had 30 complete games in one year, you might not see that this year. It's crazy. Is, uh to to know that the, it's becoming a dinosaur uh, that a complete game, you know, sh- not even a complete game shutout, just a complete game in general of nine innings uh, is kind of going by the wayside.
0: And I got to ask you, like, I don't know if I'm living in the clouds or what be it, but, you know, I take a look at the Nolan Ryan's in this world, Tom Seaver, and go watch their old games, you know these are guys that did not go to performance centers in the off season. You know, they took their off seasons off, you know, whether they go work on the farm or did whatever they did, you know, the Rick Russell's of this world. Remember like, and yet all they did, they had these rubber arms and they were pitching, pitching, pitching. And I still, you know, one of our first discussions early on in the chosen journey I said was, are these pitchers overworking? Are they too muscular? Are they working too much in the gym? Are they breaking down so easily because they're overworking perhaps? Are they better off? having that time off, you know, there's, there was thoughts of the football at the time, you know, throwing the football is going to do it for them. There's all these theories, you know, you having coached, what, what is the difference in the build of people from the Vida blue era versus today's era in your mind?
1: I mean, there's many reasons why, um, you know, I, I just think that as the you adapt to the game and the game grows, guys are just bigger and stronger. They're more specialized in, Uh, What they're doing from a young age, Um, you know, they're being taught velocity. They're being taught, you know, this is how many pitches you need to throw. And everything is so monitored where I think, you know, 40, 50 years ago and even before that, nothing was really monitored. They didn't have stats. They didn't have analytics to tell you what a guy's spin rate was. They didn't tell you how much horizontal break his curveball had. You know who told you that the hitter the hitter told you how good a guy's fastball was because he couldn't hit it or how good a curveball was because he couldn't hit it. Um, And and today everything is so measured that you can kind of just, you know, pick and choose what you want to do. But as far as injuries go, baseball is an unnatural thing for players to do, you know, to throw a baseball is a really unnatural thing, especially to pitch. And when you have these more high-velocity guys and more stress put on the arm, then uh, I just think you have more injuries.
0: And there's something else I just thought of, and again, this is my head up in the clouds and just kind of thinking things through. But for some reason in my mind, I tend to see that a lefty that throws hard with control is to me more of a rarity. You know, those lefties that throw hard, it feels like we don't know where the pitch is going, Vita Blue, you know, came in pretty quick because they they wanted to, you know, maximize his arm at the time. You know, the owner of the A's said, hey, this guy's throwing heat. Get him up here. I don't care if he knows how to pitch or not. He throws hard. And as a lefty, he had quite great control from a very young age. Um, Having, uh, you know, coach pitchers, do you find that righty lefty thing? There's an issue as far as control with lefties more than righties?
1: No, I've never really looked into that. I just think it comes down to delivery, comes down to release point, comes down to be able to repeat your delivery on a consistent basis to be able to locate it. Um, You know, it's a it's a God given talent. It's a natural talent to be able to throw the ball where you want, especially at that at that speed and at that distance. uh, You know, when your body starts to get tired, and being able to repeat that and, and do it over and over again. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't happen. Uh, you, you have that, uh, you know, skill as a young boy or a young kid, and then you've got to learn how to hone that skill to a bigger and higher level, uh, as you get older. But if you have, um, you know, the skill to command a baseball and throw it where you want, you're already ahead of the game. Now, velocity is a different story. You know, secondary pitches are a different story, but, Command, you know, that's the number one thing that we talk about is being able to command your fastball. Can we throw your fastball in? Can you throw your fastball out? Can you throw your fastball up? And can you throw your fastball down? And if you can do that, it's just one of those things where, you know, you're getting in the right positions with your body to allow your hand and arm to do that.
0: Now, Vita Blue wasn't even supposed to be a pitcher he decided very late that he was going to go ahead and pursue a career in baseball because he was a two sport player and out of all sports, of course it has to be football. And he thought that he was going to be a football player, but decided that baseball was a quicker track to him to get to the the show and support his family. He had multiple siblings, but you know, back then you were going to see a two sport player. And, you know, we've talked before about these two sport players and, you know, Tawny being the aberration as far as on both sides of the diamond Steve, are we in this day and age, you know, you know Kyler Murray had to make his decision very early on. Don't know if he made the right decision from a natural standpoint he did, but as far as longevity goes, I've always said you give me football or give me baseball, give me baseball any day of the week. Are we ever going to see, you think a true two-sport player again in our sport here?
1: I I hate to say never because, you know, would you ever see say never to what Shohei Otani is doing being on the mound and and being a hitter in the highest level of competition available in baseball probably not but there is one I don't know I think it's just really tough physically on uh, a a person or a player to play football and how physical that is and then come and play baseball for 162 games and what kind of a grind that is I mean again I don't want to say never but I think it's going to be a high highly unlikely that there's going to be you know want a player to be able to do that physically and then on the other hand these guys are getting paid so much money I just don't think that if you're a football player they're going to go allow you to play baseball so you get hurt and vice versa if you're a baseball player I don't think they're going to let you go play football if they're paying you some type of money to to do that um so uh in short it's going to be really hard
0: you know, we think of the Bo Jacksons of this world, Neon Deon Sanders, but it always tends to be falling around uh, football and baseball. The one guy I can think of is Dandy Ainge back in the day that ended up going to uh, basketball. He was going to be a baseball player. We have uh, John Elway as well. Again, uh, we're talking about football and baseball. We've, I've never really seen a hockey player in a multi-sport situation. And basketball being pretty rare, why don't we see an MLB player in the off season go play basketball in the NBA or go shoot pucks or stop pucks in hockey? Those sports, as far as the uh, being on the skates and running up and down the court, just too taxing, I would say, as far as doing that plus baseball. I'm gonna guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see basketball, but listen, uh, you know, being from Canada, you know better than anybody. Hockey is such a skill when you're on the ice and and to be able to skate it's not that easy to pick up. And if you don't do it from a young age, it's just like, it's just like hitting a baseball. Uh, if you don't do that from a young age, it's gonna be really hard for you to do it when you get into high school and, 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 and further beyond that. It just doesn't work out well for, for many players in, in that aspect. But, uh, you know, uh, a skill learned at a very young age is where I think, uh, you know, some of these guys have an advantage.
0: And to be able to learn the plays, be able to master both sports at the same time, very challenging. I think at the end of the day, uh, where the money's going to be. And as far as injuries go, you pick the one and you just specialize in the one. And I think for longevity, that's the solution. I can foresee that somebody's going to come out one day and want to be a four sport player. And I'm going to play all four, but you never, ever know, but, uh, doubt it, but you never know in, in this day and age, you know, uh. If Otani can do it, anything is possible. And Vita Blue made his decision. And I think he made a very correct decision at the end of the day. The thing that, that saddens me, Steve, is once a person passes and he can't be around anymore in the clubhouse and with the fans, without being in the Hall of Fame, is that people will forget from generation to generation. That's what saddens me the most. Whereas you walk into Cooperstown, you'll always have that plaque. And given his numbers, given what he contributed to the game, you know it's a shame that he never got to have that standing. I was actually shocked at his numbers from Cooperstown and voting was a lot different back then than it is today. I mean, he lasted three years on the ballot. That's it. And his top vote getting was 8.7%. That's it. And how many guys back when the ballot was 15 years, how many guys lasted on the ballot for the full 15 years, never made it. Ended up going through the veterans committee. It was a real challenge. And now, you know, it seems with analytics and how we view stats, you know, you and I have these debates all the time where we see a guy and we're saying, is he a hall of famer, not a hall of famer. And then you actually compare their stats to someone in the hall of fame. If you know how to look at it, right? You're saying, wow, this person is actually a surefire hall of famer. And that's to me, always the measuring stick. The one person I thought of with him, I thought for a second, maybe Bert Blylevin, you know, Bert Blylevin, you know, wasn't your traditional hall of famer per se, but when I compared their numbers, I would say as far as career numbers and as far as top seasons, Vita Blue obliterated Bly Levin. Bly Levin had longevity, you know, 25 years versus 17 years. It's amazing what eight extra years playing can get you as far as stats wise.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, isn't is uh, isn't that what like Omar Vizquel is going through? They said he played for X amount of years longer than maybe he should have, but like you can't fault the guy for playing X amount of years because you're physically able to do it. And, you're skillful enough to still compete at that level and and generate those numbers. So it's very tricky. I mean, I think uh, the analytics now, they get to break it down a little bit more and be specialized in it where, you know, back in the day, they were just going off strictly numbers, right? Because how many wins did he have? How many losses did he have? And then you always had comparables, right? The comparable was to get in the Hall of Fame, you need 300 wins. To get into the Hall of Fame, you need at least three thousand hits, right? Um five hundred you know, home, so, yeah, like... home runs. Yeah, five hundred home runs. Though you know, Fred McGriff came up, but I mean he's in now, but Fred McGriff came up four ninety three, but didn't reach five hundred, so he can't you know, so he can't get in the hall of fame. So I think that's where it's changed. I think they can actually put uh, you know valuable numbers together with the analytics and see how valuable a player actually is, whether his numbers stand out above the rest or don't stand out as much as somebody else's does.
0: And we've talked about this ad nauseum, but it's, you know, it comes down to a lot of subjectivity at the end of the day and who likes whom and who is popular with the fans and with the media, et cetera. You know, Jack Morris being very growly around people when he was pitching and all of a sudden became your best friend on the planet once he became a broadcaster. You know, you never know. But to me, all that stuff should be relevant. It comes down to on the diamond, everything else. You know, we brought up Kurt Schilling before. You know, yep. take aside politics, take aside everything else. Was this guy a gamer? Did this guy produce? Is this a Hall of Famer or not? If you had to build your team around someone in this prime, would you want him on your team or not? And, you know, back in the 80s, 90s, we were so lucky to have so many people of such strong caliber. It was almost embarrassment of riches. And then, you know, you have the steroid era, everything else. It's all that stuff gets drowned out. And Vita Blue did not play in any of those eras. All the guy did was show up, pitch strong. And uh, to me, you know, if I'm going to just do that measuring stick and look at the numbers, Steve, I like the fact that he was just very consistent. You know, almost yes. every year he had an ERA under three, almost a- or around the three mark. His whip was always around 1.1, 1.2, just very consistent. For someone that had five amazing years and 10 not so good years, he was just pretty consistent. And when you can be that good for so long, I wish the voters could have given him another look. He is in the A's Hall of Fame at least. And I hope that when they do move to Vegas or wherever they're going, they can maintain that... Uh, decorum as far as remembering their past you know one of the things that a lot of people are raised with the A's and I, I'm going to bring up Vita Blue as well is you move to a new city do you lose that history do you wipe it out and start from fresh I hope not and I hope the lore of the franchise I hope they can remember you know all the greats that ever played for the A's no matter what city they're in because this is such a storied franchise and Vita Blue is certainly one of them
1: yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent that uh, he is one of the greats in 80s franchise history. And, you know, I'll just say one of the other measuring sticks I think that they use for the Hall of Fame is, are you one of the top 10 best players in a decade? In an era of 10 years, are you one of the, are you consistently one of the best top five or 10 players in the league over a 10 year period? And you know, if you're, if you're that type of player over a 10 year period, one, you're going to put up the numbers, two, you're going to be noticed. And three, is that a measuring stick for, uh, you know, a a hall of fame nod.
0: I can tell you someone that has no all-star games under their belt, no awards whatsoever. Uh, it's tricky. It's tricky because if you're never among your peers in the top group, you're just very consistent, but there's always somebody better. Are you the hall of famer then? I don't know. But, you know, also let's be honest. Like, if you're a closer in the AL during Mario Rivera's years, you ain't winning crap, you know, Rivera's taking it every year pretty much. And a lot of people fell under that, you know, Garcia para, you know, as far as having Jeter and other people, as far as in his league, I I can give them a little bit of a break that way. So I think you just have to look at a totality. Uh, I did like the fact that he won an MVP in a Cy Young, the fact that he got Cy Young voting before, if at least you're even showing up in the voting, like there are people that literally do not show up in the top five, top 10 voting in the awards every year that does speak a little bit, but I don't get a hall of fame vote yet. So maybe in the future, uh, but as of right now, you know, I just always take a look and I think to myself, who is in the hall of fame right now, who is most similar and how does that work? And, you know, I, I mentioned when kareem pocket came in, Ozzy Smith comes in, how do you have Ozzy Smith and you don't have Omar Viscale? How do you have pocket and you don't have Andrew Jones, you know, these kind of things in nauseam, you know, Tony Gwynn, you know, we brought him up before and one of the greatest hitters of his time. But the fact that you could get on base through a walk rather than a hit does that make you any less valuable in this day and age no you know they're just as right. valuable so um it'll be interesting to see i guess bottom line is over the next decade or so who's getting in and it just seems like especially the way the veterans committee adapted and now uh people that did not get in the hall of fame originally are now being relooked by the committee like the fred mcgriffs of this world we're going to see more people that are deserving and get a second chance And overall, I would say that's a good thing. I would rather have more people in than have deserving people out if given the choice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, who deserves to go into the Hall of Fame should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Obviously, the criteria is going to
0: matter. And it's still the hardest Hall of Fame to get into. And that's not a bad thing. That gives it the allure. And for anybody that has not gone to Cooperstown, you're a baseball fan. If you're not a baseball fan, go check out Cooperstown. You'll fall in love with the game. And for Vita Blue and summing up today, You've never seen the man pitch. The footage is out there. Go jump on YouTube. Go watch some of his old footage. You'll be blown away. Whatever team you're supporting, you wish you could slide a bite of blue in his prime for your team right now. Trust me.
1: Yeah, 100%. What a, what a great player. And, uh, you know, it uh, it would be wise for people to just go check him out and, and see how he performed and,
0: and what he did. Another tribute to a person lost too soon from our baseball family and wish the Vita Blue family all the best and uh, salute Vita Blue today for his accomplishments in Major League Baseball. Steve Carsey, my friend, thank you for sharing your insights. I didn't know that you had met Vita Blue, but of course you did because baseball is a very small fraternity. I should have realized, you know, being a A's Hall of Famer that he would have found his way around the clubhouse and I'm glad you were able to meet him and, uh, whatever effect he had on your career, uh, it's nice that you got to see him and, uh, you know, um, that's, that's where I hope for all the younger players out there in whatever respective teams, especially on spring training, when those hall of famers do show up, it's really nice to rub elbows and glean whatever we can from them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've been very lucky to, uh, meet, uh, a lot of people throughout my, my playing career, uh, whether they're pitchers or position players, uh, you know, it's it's always nice to uh, reminisce in, you know, what the generation prior to uh, my generation has done and how they performed and what great players they are. It's just the history of baseball. And that's a, a part of the game that I love.
0: Amen. Amen. We'll see you back next week on The Chosen Journey. Thank you for your insights as always. And we'll see you all back very soon.
1: Great. Thanks, Jonathan. See you soon.